Welcome back to another episode of Beloved Books. I am your host, Heidi Vega. Thank you for listening. I know it's been a while. A lot of family things going on, a lot of work things going on in my life that has kind of, you know, slipped me back a little bit on the recording, but hopefully it will come back a little bit more frequently. So thanks for listening. This is the podcast all about books, poems, short stories. Today's episode will be on a book that has really touched my heart and I can really relate to it. It is called Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford. It is a memoir, so it is something very personal to the author, Um, but I mostly wanted to highlight the really relatable parts and my favorite parts of the book. I think that this is one incredible writer, and I will be absolutely looking forward to whatever she writes next. So, um, Ashley C. Ford has written or guest edited for Teen Vogue, New York Magazine, The New York Times, Elle, BuzzFeed, and many other uh, publications, and she has been named among Forbes 30 Under 30 in Media and Variety's New Power of New York. So, She's definitely someone that I think has had some time to put some work out there to show how great of a writer she is. And a lot of her writing really does kind of remind me of Roxanne Gay, who is another incredible, incredible writer. And um, I was pretty happy to find out that I think Ashley Ford and Roxanne Gay have communicated and talked And I don't know if she kind of gave her some advice before writing her memoir, but she did thank her in her acknowledgments. And so that was pretty cool to read, considering that I'm a very, very big fan of Roxanne Gay. So as always, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. I will be talking about intimate details of the book. So if you want to read it for yourself, go check it out. Um, Please, please do so. It is an excellent, excellent read. And not that long. So if that's a concern for you, I also did want to mention a trigger warning for there are parts of the book that describe physical abuse as well as sexual abuse. So please, please be aware that if that's a sensitive area for you to think about, um, please skip this episode. So pretty early on in the book, um, Ashley does talk about the fact that her father is in prison at this time and that he is being released soon. Um, This, of course, being her older self. Um, And she has a very difficult relationship already with her mother. And that kind of manifests itself pretty much through her life in a lot of different ways. And she really, it does explore how difficult it can feel having a father who is in prison for a pretty dangerous crime and that in itself can be really, really difficult to kind of come to terms with considering that you still want to know your father, you still want to make up maybe for some lost time considering that he's been gone for most of your life. So she says... 
I felt like I knew my father and I knew he felt like he knew me too. In reality, we'd spent the majority of both our lifetimes mentally constructing versions of one another we couldn't physically confirm or deny the existence of. And I think, again, that goes with the fact that you haven't been around your father for very long and the small moments that you remember probably aren't as big as you would want them to be or maybe as meaningful as you would want them to be. So I can really relate to that. My brother loved me and made it so easy to believe I was good. I was a child, unspoiled in a certain way. I didn't doubt myself. I decided and I tried. Then I'd fail and try again. Or I would succeed and go on to try something new. I was not always as afraid of the world or as nervous about the other people living in it alongside me or what they might do to me. When my life was new, I understood in my bones how little it mattered what anybody else was doing or what they thought about what I was doing. I believed my bones then. So this excerpt is really about the relationship that she kind of has built with her siblings being really connected to them. And I think siblings have a good way of bringing out the great sides of you, the sides that maybe your parents don't often get to see, the sides of you that are funny and goofy and also very caring and strong. So I definitely can relate to that being that I have very many siblings, but it can also be difficult considering that I am the oldest. So a little bit different there, I guess. When we were bad, my mother hit us for it. And there was always the thought that I would die in the back of my mind. I didn't think my mother wanted to kill me on purpose. It was her eyes. My mother's rage drained the light from her eyes and she became unrecognizable to me. There was Mama, the loving mother we knew before whatever sparked her anger, and then there was Mother who showed up in her place. Mother felt separate, somehow apart from our otherwise happy and harmonious existence. She rose from somewhere within Mama and did the latter's dirty work. Every once in a while, my brother and I were their dirty work needing done. So very, very harsh. Um, There are, of course, many people out there who have a difference in opinion as far as physically disciplining your children. Um, but I do think that there is, there is a line between discipline and abuse. And I think some people don't know how to quite handle that. But, um, for me in my experience, cause obviously, um, a lot of what Ashley Ford writes in her book, I can relate to on a very personal level, but I don't want to speak for Ashley. So, um, I will speak for my experience and I can definitely say that my father was very much like this. He, when he was angry, there was absolutely no way that we would calm him down, that my mother could even calm him down. It was very much a situation where you either had to deal with what was coming to you, or if you were lucky, maybe you could kind of run off and make it so he couldn't catch you. So it's, it's quite something to constantly fear when one of your parents or even both, I guess you could say, um, is going to get so angry at you that you have no, no knowledge of how they're going to react. So I think, I think I can understand that, um, from that experience. I can't remember a time before I knew my father was incarcerated or just in jail, as I said, for the first decade of my life. But I remember a time when he, the fact of his existence, was a hard memory to hold on to. I saw my mother 
grandmother, and brother every day. The sun greeted me each morning, whether I'd watched it rise or not. I prayed to God each night, like I'd been told. I could count my ABCs. These things were not hard to remember. But my father, far away, gone without an explanation, would fade away into the background of my four-year-old everyday life, until I'd forgotten he'd ever been part of it at all. But before he went to jail, he was here, in a home with me and my mother. Before he was gone, he loved me. I think that last line is is exceptional because of the fact that I think as children, when a parent leaves or even two parents leave, or even like a close relative leaves and never comes back for whatever reason, I think it's very instinctual to think that something had gone wrong and perhaps it was through a lack of love that caused this person to disappear from your life. And of course, being older now, I can absolutely understand that that wasn't the case. So I can't say that I can relate to having a parent who was incarcerated, but I can certainly relate to um, the crime that was committed that caused Ashley Ford's father to have been incarcerated. Um, My father did commit those crimes. However, he was never incarcerated for it. Um, so it's kind of, um, a crazy situation for me as far as knowing that, knowing that my father has done those things and he, he's not in jail serving time for it. Now that's not to say that he's not suffering from his actions and his own demons. However, um, he's not, uh, in a prison cell. So there is a part of the book where the author does talk about living a little bit with her grandmother and her grandfather, I believe, um, or it might just be her, her grandmother, but, um, ultimately it was such a different time for her. It was much more peaceful. She didn't have to worry about constantly being punished, um, by her mom since her mom had stayed where she was at the time. And she also kind of talks about how her grandmother really kind of sparked a fire in her for books and reading and just the general love of stories. Um, and I can really relate to that. Once I lived with my mother again, my grandmother encouraged her to let my brother and me spend time at our local library. The library felt too good to be true. All those books on all those shelves, and I could just pluck them out one by one, find an empty chair and read and read and read. When I realized nobody would stop me from browsing in the teen and adult sections, those books were a place where my age didn't matter as long as I could read the words in front of me. I found a home for my mind and spirit to take root. My imagination had already taken me on a million wild rides, but there was unlimited adventure. For the rest of my life, I would seek out the library the way some search for the soft light of a chapel in the dark such beautiful beautiful words and I honestly it it just it takes me back to the first time that I had ever gone to a library I had to have been about four or five I want to say I think it was because my mother had um when I was young my mother had been working two jobs so she really didn't have the time to take me so it wasn't until I went to the public library um on a field trip with my elementary school and I 
think I remember the the way that the library looked, but I remember thinking that it was just the most beautiful and magical place I had ever been in in my entire life. And I still kind of feel that way whenever I go into a library, especially one that is very well designed to really bring in people. Um, the town that I live in now has an exceptional library and it's actually three stories and I really enjoy the way that they separate it. It's like the first floor is kind of a free for all. Everybody can kind of just browse through. The second floor is mainly for children and young adults. And the third floor, of course, is like the study rooms and the other, you know, nonfiction areas. So, but it's definitely a magical place to me. Uh, and I think what Ashley Ford wrote about is the fact that this is the place that I can be myself. And it reminds me of Matilda. That story is very relatable in that sense of there are certain barriers sometimes that can cause a person to not feel themselves truly in certain places such as at school or at home or um, at parties and there are going to be those outlets that a person can go to to truly feel like themselves and for me it certainly was the library it certainly was a place where I could just sit down read a book nobody bothered me I could choose whatever book I wanted and it just felt like magic it just felt like I was in a time machine or some sort of, you know, spaceship, and I could take myself into all sorts of stories and nobody was there to stop me. And I think that Ashley was certainly able to find that when she was able to go to the library for the first time. All my life, my father represented love to me. Deep, enduring, irrevocable love. So many times I thought all the problems of my life could be solved if I just had him there to hold me and tell me who I am and how much he loved that person. I never imagined pain coming from my father or the mistakes he might have made as a present parent. My naivete shamed me, and I accepted that shame as my own. In the dark at night, the saddest part of me assumed my father's crimes were the source of the crime committed upon me. So, in no descriptive details, Ashley Ford does discuss in her book the dangerous crimes that her father had committed was something similar that had happened to her when she was a teenager. And I think it becomes one of the hardest things to kind of reconcile with in yourself as a person to possibly try to reconnect with your father whilst knowing the things that he did is a similar thing that happened to you from someone else. And I can really relate to this knowing that as um, vulnerable as I want to be right now, um, I am a survivor of sexual assault um, and my father... my father has also committed sexual assault onto others and it becomes a very big whirlpool of how to maintain any sort of love 
for someone who loved you and also cared for you at one time, knowing that he has done this horrible, horrible act and how that can possibly feel as a person who has gone through it yourself. And I can't say that I have any tips or advice for any of you who are experiencing the similar thing because I think I'm still probably working through it and um, I don't know if I will ever fully have um, a positive connection with my father um, but that's my journey. Um, I can't say that that's Ashley Ford's um, journey but um, I, I hope for the best. I do. Um, but if it's not possible, if it's too painful for me, it, it might not be something that I could do. I loved the idea of going to college, but the reality was I didn't think we'd be able to afford it. And when I thought of the reason why, I had to swallow hard and try not to burst into tears. This is something completely relatable to many of us as, um, we see that it is very, very hard just to make the grades to get into college, let alone being able to pay for all of it. Uh, it's, it's something that I think hopefully in the future we could change a little bit. Um, but I definitely remember thinking that even if I do get into college, I don't think I'll be able to afford to go full time because it's way too expensive. And I really didn't have the grades to apply for a scholarship. And I did not want to have student loans. I really didn't. So it ended up being kind of a thing where I had to pay for some of it myself. And then, of course, you know, applying for scholarships here and there um, for other things has also been helpful as well as like grants and things like that. So um, if you have similar issues out there, definitely look for those scholarships and grants that um, might not be as large as you want them to be, but it's still a little something, which is great. So Ashley finally makes it to college, which is amazing. Um, and she really describes the fact that she felt so much freer being out of her mother's house and being on her own, even though there were certainly difficult things to come, she felt a little bit better about having the freedom to make her own decisions. Think small things even like when to go eat, how much to eat, um, things of that nature, I think, um, are pretty amazing when you think about how a demanding parent can be. My mistakes, however big or small, to the people around me were just mistakes. I was never accused of plotting against anyone's well-being or attempting to ruin their day. For weeks at a time, I didn't hear anyone scream in anger, and if I did, it was never directed at me. So I felt I had nothing to fear. And that's an exceptional feeling to feel that this is the real world. That my mother's house was really its own place and I'm okay with leaving that behind me. So speaking of difficult things to come, I knew depression was real. I stopped going to my classes, I stopped eating, and I started running. It was all I could do. The thought of going to my classes or speaking to or engaging with others horrified me. Everything I ate tasted like paint chips. Silence made me feel like I was already dead. So I played movies until I fell asleep, but I stopped listening to music because every song made me feel too much. I never stopped listening to music before. Now this was, of course, 
um, after a big breakup between her and someone. And I can certainly relate to that. Um, maybe not to the point of not eating, um, but to the point of just not wanting to be around others, not wanting to have any sort of reminders of the way that I felt with that person. And it's hard. It really is hard. Not to mention, I think a lot of people have this way of sometimes trying to inadvertently belittle you for feeling awful after a breakup when they could possibly see that you're a better person without that person. However, it doesn't take away from any potential betrayal that you feel for the relationship not making it through, um, especially if it was for reasons that you maybe did not, you know, have any control over. So, and I can really sympathize with that, with that concept of of the loss of control when you have a breakup. I was 25 years old before I decided to make room for my father. The weight of this lingering choice should have shamed me, but the high of possibility, the potential for what kind of man my father might be persisted. I did not have time to be ashamed. I was far too busy dreaming about our inevitable reunion and his inevitable adoration for the woman his daughter had become. Which I think is something that I think I'm still waiting for, in a sense. I think this comes with, I think, a lot of the miscommunication that many parents have with their children, which is so many parents have a fear of being vulnerable in front of their kids because they feel that they could lack any potential authority. However, me being an adult now, I don't really need you to be an authority figure anymore. You know, I'm, I'm past that point. And so unfortunately, due to the distance and also due to the emotional distance that I've had with my father, I don't, I really can't recall a time in recent years where I've heard him text me, call me, or write to me about how proud he is of me or how he can see that I was able to become this strong woman despite all of the things I've gone through. He's never said that to me. And I guess there's a part of me that wishes that he had said that. And so, and I think that's what most kids want. Most kids want to become adults that make their parents proud, but it's also great to actually hear your parents say that they're proud of you. So Ashley does eventually make uh, an adult visit to her father in prison, and it's quite emotional, but quite beautiful as well. I walked calmly if eagerly toward him. He held his arms wide, open, and smiled. Then I sprinted. He knew me. He whispered into my hair, I love you. There was his voice. I love you too, Daddy. I told myself before I got there that I would refer to him as Dad because I was not a child. I was a grown woman, and I was pretty sure grown women didn't call their father's Daddy. But in that moment, I felt like someone's little girl, and I'd been waiting a long time to feel like somebody's daughter. So this next excerpt comes from the hospital where Ashley's grandmother had um, been staying, uh, seen as she had gotten really, really sick, and it seemed to look pretty 
pretty downward as far as her health uh, recovery. So she had moved to New York, I believe, and she kind of discusses the distance between her and her family, kind of creating this sense of almost like disappearance as a relative. And I can certainly relate to that being a person who lives quite far away from most of my family. There have been losses in the decision to leave home. When my sister's father died, I could not hold her. When my cousins have babies, I'm not there to visit them in the hospital. My grandmother was dying, and I was not there to sit with her and write down every hilarious and magical thing she said. I wasn't there to remember it all every detail for her, and for me too, but I was the only one who could figure out how to get my sister to her father's funeral. My cousins get a break from their babies because I can't stop holding them. And when my grandmother needed someone to take over a bill or two, I was able to make that happen for her. Still, the feeling that I was failing them with the lack of physical presence never went away. If family was everything, the source of all that was needed to complete the picture, I was a willfully missing piece of the puzzle. And though I loved these people, I knew this was not my home anymore. It's something that I can certainly relate to, being that I love my family so, so much. However, we are kind of all spread apart these days, being that we're all pretty much grown with our own children. And it does feel like you lose a little bit of that connection that you have with your cousins and your sisters and your brothers. But it's kind of hard to try to find another way, considering that this has become your home. This is where you live. This is where you work. This is where your kids go to school. And it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to kind of mitigate that disconnect. If I'd learned anything being on my own these last few years, it was how much I needed this time away from my family to see myself clearly. This is also very, very important. Being on your own is some of the best time that you can have to truly find yourself to be alone with yourself, to figure out what you want, to figure out what you don't want. And it is important sometimes to separate yourselves from family to do that, considering that family can be so influential to you and sometimes a hindrance when it comes to clear thinking because they are motivated to keep you in one place, which is close to them a lot of the time, which is not to say that that's actually what's best for you in that moment in time. Up until my grandmother died, I just accepted the way things were, resigned to my role as the member of my family no one quite understood. It had been enough, maybe even part of the fuel that kept me going in the warped way these things do sometimes. But now I wanted more. I wanted their closeness. I wanted to start over and let them see me as I am. I wanted to trust them. I wanted us to be as we are, people who love each other. I had a life and a home in New York, but in so many ways, I'd abandoned my home here in Indiana. It didn't have to be this way. However complicated, I could exist in both, as me, fully me. I could be strong enough, because I had to be, if I didn't want to lose this, and I knew I didn't. So, definitely, I think, a good resolve to the end of her book, I think 
it is definitely one that you all should check out and read if you haven't already. Uh, and it's probably one that I probably will reread in the future because it's something that I think could really feed my soul in a positive way. But um, that's the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope it wasn't too dark in places. I know that sometimes these topics can get pretty real and maybe the next uh, episode I do will be on something um, more fictional and uh, maybe even happy and exciting. So we'll see. But um, this is an exceptional read, which is why I wanted to talk about it. And um, social media is at Beloved Books One on Twitter and Beloved Books Two on Instagram. And I will close with lasting words. And today's lasting words comes from Richard Bach. The bond that links your true family is not one of blood, but of respect and joy in each other's life. Rarely do members of one family grow up under the same roof.